Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, I know we tired, but we can praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. That's better. That's better. want to thank you this morning for being a part of Christ-centered church where Christ is the central focus. I welcome you. I welcome all our visitors, our online visitors. We welcome you. Um, at the uh, After we sing our first song, we'll generally go into prayer. If you have a prayer request, please put like a heart emoji or a hand prayer emoji. We will touch and agree with you in prayer that God will do exceedingly abundantly whatever you need. We will touch and agree with you in prayer. Amen. But in the beginning, what we're about to do right now is just step into praise and worship. We want you to worship with us. Come on, stand up. Hallelujah. Everybody happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Let's clap. See right there on, right there on the tablet of your heart.
Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, we worship your name. We bless your name because your name is above every name in heaven and earth. So we call upon your name this morning. We say thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, you're the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great God, the worshiper. We worship you in spirit and in truth this morning. And we say thank you, Lord, for just keeping your hand upon us, for watching over us, for putting a hedge of protection over us, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for all who are here, O God. All those who are on their way, O God, we pray that your hand will be upon them to bring them safely, Lord Jesus, to hear what you have for us today. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because you're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. Lord Jesus, we came here this morning to hear your message, O God. And Lord Jesus, to be obedient to your word, Lord Jesus. I pray your blessing upon each and every one of us, Lord Jesus. The praise singer, the ministers, the musicians, all who are here, O God. Bless us, Lord Jesus, as we continue to praise you. As we continue to honor you and to lift you up. Because your name is great and greatly to be praised. In the name of Jesus Christ, we say thank you. In Jesus' name.
is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. I'm so honored to be here this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. you. May be seated. Amen. Praise God. We want to take this time to welcome everyone this morning to Christ Center Church. Amen. We're here to worship our Savior, our God, our Keeper, our King, the Holy God. That's what we're here to worship this morning. Thank you, praise and worship team. Good morning, our online congregation. Praise God. I pray and hope that you're having a good time wherever you are this morning. Amen. Truly another beautiful day that the Lord has made. Amen. And we're going to continue to rejoice in it because he has made us glad. Amen. I'm so thankful to be in his presence one more time. Amen. We just came out of our, uh, we have our annual um, uh, church picnic. And man, what a beautiful day. You know, I, I said um, to a few people, man, it's a beautiful day. And it reminds me to the phrase that I always use, you know, it's just a beautiful day to be alive and well. And whenever God gives us beautiful days, we're going to enjoy it. I know, um, you know, we came to worship God. Amen. We had a good time yesterday in the Lord. And I was so honored that I was a part of what God was doing. Amen. You know, I, I see my little buddy Isaiah was there, was running around doing his thing. Amen. And it's so, you know, it's it just so pressing my heart when I see the little children, you know, just enjoying themselves, have a good time. I know most of the adults that were there, everybody have a good time yesterday. And I'm so glad that I was a part of what God is uh, doing in the time that we're living in. Amen. So uh, I'm going to continue with the continuation of our service. Don't forget to pay attention on the screen. We have a lot of things uh, scrolling through on the screen. Amen. And everyone, remember, it's offering time. Come on. It sounds a little weak. It's offering time. Come on. One more time. It's offering time. Amen. Amen. This is the part of the service that we get a uh, blessing, if you please. Amen. And don't forget, we're still in our reach drive. In fact, uh, tomorrow will be the 1st of August. I can't believe time is just moving right by. You know, time is moving by so fast. And, um, you know, if you made a pledge, if you have not yet made a pledge, and you want to be a part of the miracle that God is doing, you know, you still have some time. You know, our pledge is uh, for two years. But for those of, uh, that, those of you that can give a little bit more, if you already fulfill your pledge, we're encouraging you to be a part of what God is doing because what God has in store for us, it's going to blow your mind. You know, you're going to say, man, this is what we've been missing all along. But God opened up doors for us for us to try to get this building that we're trying to uh, achieve here. And we're asking you to, you know, be generous in your giving and be a part of what God is doing. Amen. Don't forget when you fill out your tithes and envelope. Amen. We have two envelopes. We have one that is designated for reach. Make sure if you're donating anything to a reach, you filled out the one that is uh, designated for reach. And uh, the one for the offering, make sure you designate it. You try to fill it out, you know, the way it needs to go. Designate wherever your funding needs to go. Amen. We're going to invite you to stand with us as we continue to worship the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you for what we already felt in this place. 
as we're about to receive this morning offering. We ask your blessing upon every givers, everyone that is here, Lord God. Those who have to give, those who have not likewise, make a way that they too can be a blessing, Lord God. We look to you, Lord God. We just want to continue to worship you because you alone are great, oh God. You're greatly to be praised as we honor you this morning. We say thanks for your many blessings as we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. The ushers in the front, bring your tithes and offerings unto the Lord. Amen.
getting the season so thick. All right, pass this jerk chicken. Out of 10, where are you giving it? I'll give it an 8.5. 8.5, all right. <laughs> Delicious. Out of 10, what do you give it? I'll give it a... Nine out of ten. All right. How was it? All right. Your rating out of ten. Eight. Eight out of ten. All right. What would you give it out of ten? Eight out of ten. Okay. Okay. Are you feeling about your chicken so far? I don't know. You all have to tell me what it tastes like. I haven't tasted it okay. yet. So, you know, have you looked at some people's plates? We looked at some people's plates. I see bones. Okay. That, that's, that, that's all you need. When you see bones in the plate, uh -huh. that's all you need to know. So we can say whatever we want to say when we get back to church on Sunday. But the bottom line is the proof is in the pudding. Bones in the plate means surely it was world famous. <laughs> First of all, Mama Thomas told me this morning, Pastor, 13. 13. So that's all I need to know. Because I guarantee you, of everybody that tasted jerk chicken, she's been eating jerk chicken longer than all of you. See, nobody can say that. She's been eating jerk chicken longer than all of you. And she said, 13, 13. She said, 13, leave her alone. Third, third. <laughs> Listen, and all of you that came in at eight and nine, I need you to bring 10 for me to try it. Mm -hmm. All you, eight, uh, bring 10 so I can try it. Telling me about eight. Somebody got sophisticated. 8.5. She did change it, right? 8.5. Yeah, Shauna going to have to bring me 10. Nine. She'll bring me 10. You know, you know, Shauna only said nine. Because, you know, she got to stick to, she got to keep her reputation that, you know, she, you know, she, she grade things very hard, you know. She 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 she, she tried to make sure you know she's not easy on on you and she's you know giving a grade on something. Nine. Bring me ten, Shauna. Bring me ten. That's all I gotta say. Right, Mama Thomas? She said eight. Oh yeah, cause she gotta show off and you know. I, I know. I'm I'm grading. Bring me ten. That's all I'm saying. Bring me ten. And when I get ten, I'll try. Me and Mama Thomas is trying ten. None of y'all. Just me and Mama Thomas. We the only ones trying ten, you know, because we we know jerks. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. <laughs> you know what I thought about while I was standing in the back, Brother Henry. You know, people don't like this, but I might have to do it, Brother Scarlett. We might have to make sure the sound system is real good next year, because we might just have to have church right there. Since they don't want to come to church on Sunday morning, we just might have to have church right there, because they all run around, they get tired. Back hurting, leg hurting, they can barely. Now, I appreciate all you all that made it in this morning. 
But there's a lot of people I saw yesterday that I was hoping to see this morning. They they can't they can't make it. My goodness. So 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 the bottom line is we might have to just gather together, you know, for about 15 minutes. We bring the smoke real hard and just preach a word. And then y'all can feel like y'all was in church and all y'all seasoned Christians just lay hands and pray people through. Because I'm, I'm just saying we got to just use what we got. And if they won't come to the building, the building got to, you know, we got to go out from the building, and go to them. So, you know, we'll see what happened next year. Oh, God. Good morning, Miss Stevenson. Good to see you. So all of you all, we've been praying for uh, Miss Maxine Stevenson for God to touch her body and heal her. And she's in the house of the Lord this morning. We're so glad to see her. She still looks like she's in some pain, so we're going to lay hands. We're going to anoint her with oil and lay hands. Will you come come right now? Give you some, um, come let me anoint you with oil. And um, church, you go all point your right hands towards her, and we're going to pray the prayers of faith that God will touch her body and that she will be whole and that she can walk straight and she can have all her strength and don't have to go through the pain that she's going through. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, by your stripe, we command healing to flow into her body. From the crown of her head to the sole of her feet, will you touch her body, Lord, that she will be made whole, that she will be healed, that the pain will subside, and that the power of God will bring her body straight, whole, healed. Give her strength, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, by the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, that healing will flow in your body and that you will be whole and that all ailments and sickness will loose you and that you will be healed completely in Jesus' name. Let's thank the Lord. Amen. Brother D said he fell, fell asleep in his chair last night, not in his bed. Made me think of my grandmom. My grandma fell asleep in her chair in her chair most nights, not in her bed. Brother D said that's what happened to him last night. He was just that tired. Amen. It was good to see the Wood yesterday, the Wood family, brother and sister Wood. Amen. It was just good to see everybody. It was good to see Brother Ivan. Amen. Did y'all put some handcuffs on him and cuff him? Somebody should have cuffed him and said, come on, you're coming with me tomorrow. Amen. But it was good to see everybody, and it's good to have good fellowship, and that's always fantastic. Amen. The people always bring curry chicken every year, and I keep telling them curry chicken, not a picnic food, but they still bring it. Y'all had curry chicken? Who had curry chicken? Brother Henry had curry chicken. Brother Henry's going to bring it. Sister Monroe had curry chicken. They said, I'm, I'm, they bring it, I'm eating it. Amen. Mama Allen always made curry chicken. Mama Allen, you made curry chicken this year? No, not this year? Sister, why you be trying? Mama probably wanted to make um, curry chicken until you were trying to stop her. Let the woman cook her curry chicken. <laughs> Don't look at me like, if she want to cook curry chicken, let her cook curry chicken. She like to cook her curry chicken. Oh, leave the woman alone. Amen. Online congregation, welcome. Brantley family, we missed you yesterday. Asker family, we missed you. We know you was on some secret mission, you know, big mission. But we missed you all yesterday. And everybody that couldn't make it, we missed them. But for all of you that made it, we enjoyed you. We had a great time. And thank God for everybody that made it all just possible. Amen. 
all of, all of you, Brother Ethan, my wife, all of you, I can't call names because the whole church was um, part of it. We had a great um, crew that started us off that lift all the grills and put it in the truck and, man, got it to the park and, you know, all the stuff. You all just was fantastic and we had a great time and all the help that was there. It made it so much easier when all of us are participating. And so I think um, that we were blessed. We thank God for everything. Well, I'm going to preach the word of God. Not going to keep you long. I know you're still hurting once you go home. Even though I tease and say you're probably all going to go home and just do some other things. You know, we like to say, oh, I'm so tired or I'm hurting and I need to just relax. And you still don't relax even saying that. But we're going to get you out of here in a minute. But I got to give you the word of God before you go. So let's stand, turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 16, verse number 30. Amen. Acts chapter 16, verse number 30. Hallelujah. You have something in the bag for me, um, little Sammy? Yes, you got a bag. You talking to your brother? It looks like. Do I have something in the bag too? Huh? You got a bag. I'm saying. I hope you got something in the bag for me. We'll talk after church. Make sure there's something in the bag for me. I see everything. Y'all don't know the preacher see everything. I just don't say something about everything. But I see everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sister Lillian have her Bible. Amen. That's good, Sister Lillian. That's all good. Some people just look at the screen. You got your Bible. Sister Maxine have her Bible. Mama Thomas have her Bible. Amen. Back in the day, we all had our Bible. Mr. Barry, I didn't see you yesterday. I know you was there, but I didn't get a chance to talk to you. You okay? My man, didn't get a chance to talk to you. Acts chapter 16, verse number 30. The Bible says in verse number 30 in Acts chapter 16, And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shall be saved and thine house not just you but your house romans chapter 10 verse number 9 the bible says if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus and shall believe in thine heart that god had raised him from the dead thou shall be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. Lord, what needs to be done in our life, in our hearts, only you can do it. What we will do, Lord, is submit ourselves to you, and we will respond to your word in obedience, Lord. We ask that the power of God will move miraculously among us, we ask for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in the midst of us. We ask, Almighty God, that we will not leave here the same way we came in, but the power of God will overshadow us, and we will receive understanding and revelation. We will receive direction, Lord God, and the Spirit of the Lord will overshadow us, Lord, that we will leave here saved, delivered, healed, and, oh God, with a deeper revelation of who you are, Almighty God. Do what only you can do, Lord God, and allow 
allow me to preach your word, Lord God, by the spirit of the God, the spirit of God. Place me in the flow of your spirit and allow me to rightly divide the word of truth. I pray for every heart to be touched and every heart to be receptive in Jesus name. Somebody say amen. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you today on this topic. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? I believe the two most important questions man should know the answer to in this life is number one, who is Jesus? Number two, what must I do to be saved? I believe those two questions should be the most important questions that you know the answer to. You see, you don't need great education to get the answers to those questions. You don't need to be special to get the answers to those questions. You don't need to be favored. You don't need anything outside of you to get the answer to those questions. All you need is to ask the questions, whether internally or vocally, to say, I want to know who is Jesus. I want to know what must I do to be saved. Those two things or those two questions are vitally important. I made mention this morning in the 9 a.m. service that there's an organ in our body that doctors and scientists cannot really figure out exactly how it works and what it's for. I didn't give you the right name of the organ, but I got it right after church. It's the appendix. The appendix doctors, scientists, can't really tell you exactly what it does, what it's for. They know of some things that it does, but they can't give you the real clear understanding of why it's in our body and what it does. As a matter of fact, appendix get removed all the time and we still function normal. So doctors do not know why the appendix is really there. They just know it's there. And while that question were being asked where I was, Because I think of the word of God and my relationship with God, my thought was, when will man come to the place where they say, we have the most intelligent beings, we are the most intelligent beings, we're smart, we're educated, we know everything about the body. How come we don't know why this is in the body? How come we're not asking that question? Why we don't know? Because we're smart enough. Which doctor is it? We need to find the doctor. There's got to be doctors that know why the appendix was there anyway. And why we don't really need it. And that thing has just eaten away at me. Just me, just continue to say, why aren't we asking the question? Because it will lead us to that question. Who is Jesus? Because the bottom line is, Who put the appendix where it is? Can anybody come up with the answer? That's what I mean. Let me tell you something about us as people, all of us. This is not to single out anybody. I'm saying all of us. We're kind of hypocritical in some way, shape, or form. 
What do you mean by that, preacher? I mean that by the doctors, they know everything about the body. And what they don't know, they won't say they don't know. And my question is, since we don't understand the whole appendix thing, we won't try to find out, well, how did it get here to begin with? Because we only want to know what we want to know. And what we don't want to know, we don't try to know. But that's what we all do. Oh, yeah, me, you, and everybody. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you this real quick as a preacher. If somebody committed a crime, don't come telling me. I don't want to know. Why? Because I become obligated to go tell the law. That's my responsibility as a preacher. So don't tell me about somebody doing some criminal activity. I don't want to know. So that's just starters. But there are things personally I don't want to know either. Because sometimes what I get to know, it get lodged in my brain, and I don't need that to lodge in my brain. So there are things that I don't want to know. But when we're talking about life, eternal life, why are we here? Who created us? I need to know that. You will never know who you are until you know why you're here and who created you. So every one of us, no matter how smart we are, no matter how intelligent we are, no matter how well studied we are, we still don't really know who we are until we come to know who created us, who put us here. And I'm sure many people like to say God did or higher power, but that's still not saying you know who did. You're just repeating what you heard. Oh, God created us. Got to be a higher power. Yeah, but you you don't know it. You're just saying stuff. And so my question to you is today, do you know who Jesus is? And and, and, And if you know that, great. If you don't know that, I explain it to you in a little bit. But what about what must I do to be saved? Because everybody's saved these days. Everybody's saved. If they go to church, they saved. I think most of us here today believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we're either here in person or we're tuned in online because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's most of us. You know, you're always going to have your exception, but that's most of us. Our salvation is so important that we cannot afford to make a mistake about it. There are some things that it's not that important that I know. There's some things that I better know it and I better know it for real. Now, remember, I told you this. You can't know a lie. But you can believe a lie. Jesus is truth. So you can know him. He can be known because he's truth. A lie you can't know. Because a lie really don't exist. Your soul, my soul, is too important to live in eternity with in torment, with no hope at all, in total absence from the presence of Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, and us. Your soul is too important. 
We are in this building gathered together today to learn things about God and ourself that will help us to live in eternity. That's why we gather together. So a lot of times we come together, we don't really realize we're wasting time. We're just showing up to be religious. We're showing up to be tradition, traditional. But we don't realize that this counts. And if we don't do something with, with what we're receiving when we come, then we're wasting time. And when eternity finally happens, then what are we going to do? Etern- eternity can happen right now, later on, tomorrow, 10 years from now, 20 years. We do not control when we go into eternity. And the moment you leave this world, you enter into eternity, whether in the presence of God or in torment in hell. I know we've been to many funerals where the preacher tells you, well, this person is in heaven. I'm not even going to go down that road because me and you, we know we have relatives we love dearly. And we know certainly they weren't living up to standard. So let's not even talk about it. Let's not even talk about it, trying to put our family members in heaven. Let them and God work that out. I have nothing to do with it. You don't have nothing to do with it. It's between them and God. However they live and however God accepted them, however them and God move, that's how it's going to end for them. Leave that alone. Don't ask me about it. All you can worry about is your life. When you leave here, where in eternity will you go? In the presence of God or you're going to go away from God in hell? It's up to you. And before you think you can handle hell, you need to think again. Because that's another thing that we do. We start to calculate what we think a situation will be like. And according to our ability, we assess whether or not we think we can handle it. First thing I'm going to tell you is this. Hell wasn't created for humans. So you can't really assess what it's going to be like. Because it wasn't created for you to be there. The Bible says hell has enlarged its mouth because we started living like devils. But if we live like holy, righteous people, we will never see hell because it wasn't meant for us. It was meant for demons. I don't want to go to no place that wasn't meant for me because I can't even calculate what it's going to be like. I can't even analyze what it's going to be like. I can't even perceptualize what it will be like because it wasn't made for me. It wasn't made for you. So to just chop it up and just say, well, yeah, you know what? Guess what? It's just what it is. If I go to hell, I go to hell. You think hell will be like that? Where if you go, you can just say, well, I'm here now. You know, it's just what it is. You must be out of your mind. If you really think you're going to show up in hell and be like, well, here I am. Just torment me. I'll just go through it. I'm I'm telling you, it's not going to be that way. It's not going to be that way. Satan's master plan is to make people believe they are saved when in reality they are still lost. They are still unsaved. That is Satan's master plan is to make you think that you are saved, that you're a Christian, that you are on the Lord's side when you're actually not. That's his master plan. His plan is sly. Crafty and deceptive. 
The devil has deceived many people to accept that if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, that they are saved. He has caused a lot of people to believe that. And a lot of people are running with it today. I'm saved because I believe. I believe I've confessed. I'm saved. And the devil is not trying to make you any wiser. He's just letting you believe that and run with it. Approximately 95% of all Protestant churches now accept this statement of believing and, 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 and confessing. Approximately 95% of these Protestant churches now accept this statement. And most evangelical companies that print tracts print this as the gospel for salvation. That if you confess... And you believe you're saved. Satan designed his deceptive plan to include parts of the scriptures which would add reverence and credibility to his counterfeit plan. And at the same time, twist the truth and change the word to produce subtle half-truth, which is more dangerous than an outright lie. When the, when the word of God gets mixed in with lies, we are prone to believe it. And a lot of us have run with that for a long, long time because we heard some scriptures. We heard some of the words. We say, yeah, 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 and we go with it, and we don't want to examine it because we want to feel good that it's easy to be saved because we don't want to think of any difficulty in getting saved. We don't want to think it's hard to get saved. We don't want to think it's work to get saved. We don't want to think it requires commitment to be saved. We want it to be easy for us to be saved. So we go with the easiest thing. And so the devil has caused half-truths, which I don't even know if that's really true, that something can be half-true. It's either truth or it's not. From the beginning of human creation, Satan has twisted God's word to have us believe a lie that is sprinkled in with truth. He told The devil told Eve, has God said, and he said some things that God had said, but then he added in some things that God didn't say. And Eve jumped on it. And we've been doing that ever since the beginning of time, that the devil is making us hear some of God's word twisted with some of his words. And then we go with it. But guess what? Can I tell you this, church? Truth stands on its own and by itself it doesn't need anything else truth don't need nothing to support it truth don't need anything to back it up truth don't need anything to help it truth stands by itself as a matter of fact truth is a person and not a thing jesus says i am the way so for everybody that's thinking truth is whatever, some words that we think is true, you missed it. Truth is so truthful that it's not a word. It's a thing. It's a person, I should say. So Jesus is truth. So if you want to know truth, go look into his life. Go see what he says. Because if it ain't what he said, if it ain't how he lived, then you don't have truth. I don't have truth. And we have to know that, that only what Jesus said is truth and nothing else is truth. Everything else 
is just what we came up with to live in this life. Everything else is just our smarts and our intelligence and what the devil has told us and what tradition that has passed down to us. All of that is what we take to live. But if you really want to know truth, truth is Jesus. Truth is Jesus. So you start to say truth and you start to come up with words. That ain't truth. Truth is when you say, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is him. Life is him. He said that. I didn't say that. So that's what I know is truth. That life comes from Jesus. Life is Jesus. Truth is Jesus. Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, you will gain eternal life. Jesus said that. That's truth. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus said that. That's truth. All the other stuff that we've been calling truth. Uh-uh, uh-uh. It's just what we came up with and we've been kicking it. And it's fine. But just know now with this life that we are living and we're trying to figure out if we want to be saved. And we're trying to figure out when we die and we leave here, where do we go? You better look to truth because anything else won't get you there. There is more to being saved than just believe. Please notice in Acts chapter 16, verse 31, and even in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, the word says in, in, in uh, Acts, thou shall be saved. Just like it said in Romans, thou shall be saved, shall is a future tense word. Shall is a future. So when I say, Tony, you shall be rich, it means you're not rich now, but you will be. You shall be saved. You're not saved now, but you shall be saved. Tony, you shall be rich, but you're not rich now. Now the question now, Tony, Well, how do you expect to do that, Pastor? You follow me? When I tell him he's going to be rich, he wants to know how I plan to make him rich. When Jesus says, you shall be saved, your question should be, how you're going to make me saved? So instead of us asking the question, how you're going to get me to get saved, we just say, oh, I'm saved. Because I believe. Instead of saying, how you expect to pull that off? Because I'm broke as broke can be. How you expect to save me? Because I'm a mess. I'm a zoo. How you expect to do that? And that's the question. That's the question. That's how we're supposed to perceive these things. Okay. Shall is a future tense word. So it means right now I'm not. So I want to know how you plan to get me from here to there. Because right now I'm right here. And what you're telling me, I don't see how that's possible. So I need some explanation. And that's where we ought to be as people. The Apostle Paul used the future tense, shall be, which places the act or event in the future. Notice, he did not say, believe on the Lord Jesus and thou art saved. He didn't say believe and you are saved. He says you shall 
you shall, future tense. It starts with you believing on the Lord, and you shall, but right now you're not. It takes more to being saved than saying, I believe. Takes more to being saved than going to church. It takes more to being saved than praying. All right, you don't believe me. I'll help you before we go. Hope I helped you already, but let me go on. In Acts chapter 8, verse number 13, there's a guy in Acts chapter 8. His name is Simon. Matter of fact, the Bible called him Simon the Sorcerer. Witchcraft dude. He, he, he do all kind of crooked stuff. He tried to deceive people and make them think that he was some great man of God, when in actuality, he was just working witchcraft. The scripture says in Romans, I'm sorry, in Acts 8 and 13, I'll just get to the meat of what I want to tell you. Then Simon himself believed also. Find that in the text. You see it? Right there. Then Simon himself believed also. Watch this. When Simon believed, was Simon saved? No, Simon wasn't saved when he believed. We know that as a fact because in Acts chapter 8, verse number 20, we know as a fact that Simon wasn't saved because look in Acts chapter 8, verse 20, it says, But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast taught, hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thine heart is not right in the sight of God. You can believe and your heart ain't right. All that believing stuff, watch yourself, because you can believe and your heart is not right. He believed, but was still unsaved. Also, saying you believe don't really mean you believe. You just said some words. Saying some words don't mean you believe. Saying you believe don't mean you believe. It just meant you said what you needed to say. And that's one of our problems. We go around saying what we think we need to say. So we get along because we said what we needed to say. But do you really believe that in your heart anyway? You can't just believe and be saved. I hear you. I hear you. Somebody say, what about the thief on the cross? He just believed and he got saved. Luke chapter 23, verse 43. And Jesus said unto him, today shall thou be with me in paradise. See, preacher, I told you, all you got to do is believe. Well, let me help you out. So for you that are not saved yet, and for you that are saved, but you don't understand the scripture, let me explain it to you. That scripture doesn't confirm that all you have to do is believe and you will be in paradise. That doesn't confirm that all we have to do is believe and we are saved. The answer is this. 
the thief on the cross actually lived in a different dispensation as to what you and I are living in today. The thief on the cross, watch this, lived in the Old Testament times. And in the Old Testament times, the the, 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 the born-again experience was not implemented by the church yet because the church was not yet established. You ready for this one? Go back into Mark chapter 16 when Jesus says in verse 16, For thou art Simon, and upon this rock will I build my church. Again, future tense. Are you reading your Bible? Future tense in Matthew when he says, I will build my church. Meaning, it's not yet built. But I'm building. I'm getting ready to build. So if you're in the Gospels, you're in the Old Testament. And how you got saved in the Old Testament is different from how you get saved when the church got started. So when somebody tell you about a thief on the cross, says, this is what you need to ask them. What testament was that? Old or New Testament? And when they say new, says, well, that's not how you get saved in the New Testament. I'll take it deeper. In order for us to be saved, the way the Lord said you need to be saved, it means there's water and spirit salvation. But watch this in John chapter 7, verse 39. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Nobody was able to receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost while Jesus was walking the earth. And if you cannot receive the Holy Spirit, that's part of your salvation. You will not be saved if you don't have the Holy Spirit. I'll get to that in a second. I'm just trying to show you that salvation as what the, the, the thief on the, on the cross experienced is not the same today. So to go by that, you are not following the scriptures correctly because that was Old Testament. New Testament salvation is different. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is an essential part of being born again. The infilling of the Holy Ghost did not happen until Jesus ascended to heaven. Therefore, the thief on the cross, not able to experience, was not able to experience New Testament salvation at that time. Also, ready for this? A will and testament can only be executed if the testator dies. And when the thief on the cross was right there, Jesus had not died yet. So the New Testament salvation could not be instituted yet because the testator, the one who implemented, instituted, the one who created, he's still living. He was messed up, but he was still living. He was on the cross bleeding to death, but he was still living. So the way... Of New Testament was not yet implemented because the testator had not died yet. You want me to give you proof of scripture what I'm just saying about the testator have to die first? Hebrews chapter 9 verse number 16. For where a testament is, a will and testament, where it is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. 
That's your Bible. You didn't know that was in your Bible, but it's okay. That's why I'm here. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So the New Testament salvation could never be instituted while Jesus is walking the earth. So the thief on the cross did not need to be born again like we know today because Jesus was still here. So if you want to think that you can just believe, I want you to look side by side. Do like this right now and see if you see Jesus. Just just, just like this. Because if you see him, say, Lord, can you save me? If you just look and just see if you see him. Look, do, do you see him? Because if you see him, you can ask him, save me. And he will save you. But I'm sure you don't see him. I'm sure you didn't see him. When you look to the left and to the right, you didn't see him. So to think that you get the same process, the same situation as the thief on the cross, you're deceiving yourself. Again, back to that whole hypocritical thing that we are. We want it to be easy for us. And we are lying to ourselves and don't want to be honest with ourselves. We're believing the thief on the cross. We're believing that just believe because it's easy. And we're not being honest to say, it can't be that simple. And guess what? We're only fooling ourselves. Because don't think that you can run with that all your life. And then think, when I finally get before God, he will understand and he will let me in. Because that's what you're banking on. God is love. And so I'm trying to do my best. And when I meet Jesus, he knows that I was doing my best. I'm here today to help you tell, tell you that's not how Jesus operates. That's how you think. And it's okay that you think like that. But I'm here as a preacher to show you what the word of God wants us to understand. And that is Jesus told people that cast out demons in his name. That, 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 that they did miracles in his name. Jesus said to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. And these were people like preachers. He said, I didn't know you get away from me. So if you want to walk out of here today and say, man, God is good. He knows I'm trying everything. He knows I'm trying to live right. He ain't going to be like that. He's going to let me in. You want to rest your eternal soul on that thought you want to live all your life on this earth just doing what's easy and just say to yourself god will understand and that's what you're banking everything on when you stand before god he will understand the thief on the cross was not saved according to the Old Testament, was not saved according to the New Testament plan of salvation. He was saved because Jesus was physically present here in the earth, and it was Old Testament time. Since you believe, I'm asking you now, since you believe, are you saved? I confess that Jesus died and rose on the third day, so i got to be saved because I know. All right, I'm about to show you, introduce you to someone that might be a whole lot more committed than you to Jesus. Let me show him to you. Acts chapter 10. I'm almost finished. God just want me to give you a word today, and it's up to you what you're going to do with it. Acts chapter 10. 
1 through 6. You can read through it, but I'm going to just kind of pick out the stuff to bring to your attention. This is the text that records my man named Cornelius. The Bible says Cornelius was a centurion. The Bible lets us know he was a very religious man. Why was he religious? Because he was a devout man. What else? He feared God means he reverenced God. What else did he do? He gave much money to the work of God, to people, and he prayed to God always. Now, ask yourself, how much do you reverence God? Ask yourself, how devoted are you to God? Ask yourself, do you fear God, reverence him? Ask yourself, how much do you give to the work of God? How much do you give to others? And how much do you pray? Ask yourself that because that's what this dude did. So now we ask ourselves, was I as religious as this guy? Because he sounded like he was, man, he got me. Okay. And so that's what he did. The question now is, with all of what Cornelius was doing, was he saved? Sister Rosalie, if he was saved, God wouldn't come to him in a dream and said to him, call or send for one Simon Peter. Send for him and he will tell you what to do. This holy man, this righteous man, this devout man that gives, that prays, that reverence God. He lived his life that way. And one day an angel of the Lord said to him, you still need to send for this guy named Simon Peter. He's going to tell you what you need to do. As a matter of fact, he went even further than that. Look in Acts chapter 11, verse number 14. The Bible says, this is what the angel of the Lord said to him. Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. You're talking about this man that prayed all the time? You're talking about this man that gave all the time? You're talking about this man who reverenced God? You're talking about this man was a, if you read, he was a family man. I mean, he took care of his family. You're talking about that guy? You say that guy wasn't saved? No, he got to be saved because, no, he believed. No, 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 he believed. He gave, no, he gave a lot of money, a whole lot more than I ever gave. No, he prayed all the time. He saved. <laughs> well, he sent for Peter. Peter came. And here is what was happening when Peter showed up. Look at this, Brother Reggie. Peter showed up. Acts chapter 10, verse number 44. Peter showed up. It says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And, uh, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because all that on the Gentiles also was poured out the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed them or prayed they him to tarry certain days. That man that was so holy that was so devout, that reverenced God, he was awesome, better than some of us living for God today, but he still needed to be saved. 
He still needed to be saved. So you still think it's okay to just believe? You still think it's okay just to believe? I go back to my appendix story. God does not do anything just to do it. Everything that God does, he does it specific. Everything that God does is meaningful. Everything that God does is for a purpose. God don't have no throwaway lines. God don't have no throwaway things that he does. God don't waste time. God don't do stuff just because you and I may do that. But God, everything that he does is for a purpose. It's specific. That's how he is. So to think that God says anything or does anything for no reason, we're losing our mind. We're losing our mind. So that appendix in our body is for something. We just don't know. And God made sure he left some things undone so we will inquire of him. And that's where, that's why I guess my spirit kind of was stirred within me. Because I know my Lord. And I know he does some things or don't do some things to make us inquire. To make us begin to search out. To make us begin to, to call upon him because we have questions without answers. We, 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 we're experiencing things that we can't figure out. And he wants, at that point in time, he wants us to look to him and says, why is this God? How is this God? He left them specifically so we will call on him to get the answers because he wants us all to know who he is. But because we want everything easy. We don't want to mess with God because God gets all in your business. And we like to tell people, stay out of our business. You can't get saved and tell God to stay out of your business. And we like for God to stay out of our business only when we need him. We want him in our business. And unfortunately, God don't work that way. Either he in your business or he not in your business. And when he's not in your business, you're not saved. When he's in your business, you are probably saved because you're letting him do what he wants to do in your life. But God is going to be all up in your business if you want him to be your savior. That's the biggest thing with us. We want to be saved and want God to stay out of our business. We'll, we'll call on you when we need you. Stay in the corner. Stay in the corner, Lord. When, when I need you, I'll let you know. You think, that, you think God's good with that? Stay in the corner, Lord, and when I need you, I'll tell you. You God then. God ain't playing that game. So if we live it like that and think we saved, we are misunderstood. Because God is only going to say all or nothing. Either you'll let him to be all up in your business, all up in your life, in everything you do, you allow him to tell you nay or yay. You allow him to be all up in it. If you don't allow that, then you are going to miss out. I'm done. One can believe on the Lord Jesus, confess that he died and rose on the third day. But if that's all you did, you are not saved according to the word of God. Believing on and knowing who Jesus is, is the very beginning of your salvation. When you begin to know and understand who God is, 
That's the very beginning because remember what I said to you earlier. If I tell you you will be rich next week, you want to know how do I plan to get that done. If God tells you you're going to be saved, you should be asking, how do you plan to do that, Jesus? Because I know that sounds impossible. I looked at my bank account. I looked at my assets. I looked at what I'm doing for work, and I'm checking it all out. I don't think I have any relative that's a millionaire that's getting ready to die, and I'm at the top of the wheel. I don't see any of that. So how do you plan to figure that one out and get it done, Lord? That's what we should be asking God when he said we will be saved. We should be asking that. And when we ask that, God will show you and, and, and make it clear to you how he plans to do it. But we're not asking that question. For whatever the reason, we're not asking the question, how you plan to do that, Lord? When he says you will be saved, how, are we asking, are you, how do you plan to do that, God? The word of God teaches that it's what we do after believing, after coming to the knowledge of the Lord Jesus. It's what we do after that that makes us saved. Not that. Not that. That. Believing and confessing is not what make you saved. It's after that what you do after that. What you do after that, that's what make you saved. And so I close. What is New Testament salvation? How do we get saved in the New Testament? God is so specific that the way he says you will be saved, he followed the process, but now he goes into detail. You ready for the details? Here's the New Testament plan of salvation with details. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 38. Here are the details. You got to read it slow with me. We don't run through this. Um, Sometimes that's what we do. We try to read the Bible like we're reading some kind of novel. No, let's slow it down. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly. I like the word no. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know. How? Assuredly. What should they know? That God had made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. When he says both Lord and Christ, he says he, he is made Lord and Christ. Lord means God, and Christ means Messiah, which is a man. So what it really means is Lord, Almighty God, becomes the anointed Messiah, the anointed man. So when you hear of Jesus Christ, you are talking about Almighty God in the flesh, who is the anointed Messiah. That's telling you clearly who God is. That's believing and confessing. But it didn't stop. So now you have the believing and confessing. Here we go. Now when they heard this, so when they heard believe and confessed, that's it being done in a different way. Now when they heard that, they were pricked in their heart, right? And now they must have a response. See, that's where we're missing it. We're hearing the word, and we don't have a response, Tony. If I say you're going to be rich, ask me how you're going to be rich. We're not having a response, and that's why we're lost, because we're not having the response. Ask me 
How do I get saved? How do I pull this off? How do you get this done, preacher? Because I don't understand what you're saying. We don't have a response. But the response here, they said, they were pricked in their hearts, and they said to Peter and the rest of the brethren, what shall we do then? Since we have now uh, confessed, we, we believe, we understand that we messed up. Because we did not know Jesus Christ is almighty God in the flesh. We did not know Jesus Christ was God who came in the flesh and died for our sins. We did not know that. And we contributed to his death. We messed up. We did not know. But now that you have made that known to us, what must we do? And that Peter continued to preach to them. Then Peter said unto them, repent. So that after you, after you believe and confess, you need to repent. Be baptized. How will you be baptized? In the name of Jesus Christ. Not in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ. Why should I do that? For the remission of sin? Listen to me. Jesus was the one who died for you. Jesus is the one who can erase the stain of sin. Not the Father. You got to say it this way so you can understand it. The Father is a spirit. The Father can't die. So if you're trying to say, I'm baptized in the name of the Father, the Father did not die for you. Can we say, yes, the Father died? Yes, because we know Jesus is the Father. But as the Father, without becoming a man, he can't die. So how can he remove your sins and my sins if he can't die? Because only blood. Come on, don't get me going any farther. I can't go any further than this because this is not where I'm going. I don't want to go down that road. But the bottom line is, the Bible says, it's only by the shedding of blood can sins be removed. The Father don't have no blood. The Father's a spirit. He can't shed no blood. The only way he could have shed blood is to become human. And when the Father become human, he's still Father. But now he took on a body which has flesh and blood. And he can shed his blood so we can be saved. And so we now know his name. And the name is what you got to be baptized in. Not his title. Because his title don't have no authority to remove sins. When you try to cast out a demon, I want you to pray and say, demon, I command you to come out of him in the name of the Father. Go try that. Next time you think somebody demon possessed, you try to pray for them to be delivered. Go say, come out in the name of the Father and see what happens. That demon will come torment you. Because the Father's just saying Father is not authoritative. The name is where authority comes from. And we're crazy if we think we can just get baptized in the title and skip the name, but think we have authority and think we did it right. It's the name that gives you authority. My wife can't use my credit card and checkbook if her name is different from mine. Her name got to be the same as mine to go to the bank and they say, oh, okay, Mrs. Wyatt. Same thing with us. We're living for God. It's the name that you have to use for there to be authority. No name, no authority. 
No name, no salvation. No name, no demons get cast out. So why do you think you need to get baptized in any other thing but the name? I'm done. Repentance, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and the experience of the infilling of the Holy Ghost are the commandments we must obey after we know who Jesus is, and then we will be saved. So just believing, just confessing is not enough. It's doing what we need to do afterwards. As you can see, believing in Jesus is necessary. But after you believe by obtaining faith, these people in the book of Acts went and repent and was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They got filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. They spoke with tongues. Listen, I got to get this in before I finish. Many people like to say, the people who don't want to adhere to the scripture, they like to say, y'all Pentecostals think baptism and, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost is what saved y'all. And the Bible tells you we're not saved by works. So here's my big question this morning. When you get baptized, what work do you do? nothing but surrender your life and you come to the preacher and says sir I want to get saved and I says okay I'm going to baptize you I do the work I think I was the one I'm trying to remember I think I did I think I was the one that baptized one of our guy from the Matawan church his name was Lou and at the time Lou weighed about 350 pounds what work did Lou do to go down in the water I did the work putting Lou down it was me. <laughs> Lou didn't do any work. So when you get baptized, you're not doing any work. It's the preacher that baptized you do the work. So we're not doing works to be saved. It's a gift that's being given to us that we execute when we obey. When we receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost, God don't tell us, run up and down the church aisle five times. That's work. No, he says, just worship me. Just praise me. And he fills you with the Holy Ghost. That's not work. Praising God and worship. So our salvation is not work that we do. We're not earning the salvation. We're just being obedient. We're just submitting to God for God to do what he says he will do in our life to make us saved. To make us rich. Whatever he wants to do. He's given us the blueprint. The instructions to do it. The play by play. So we will understand what we need to do to be saved. So you can't be saved by just believing, by confessing. You can't be saved if you went through all of that and then you still get baptized in the wrong baptism. You're still not there. God is specific. God is specific. I remember back when he delivered the children of Israel from out of Egypt. Man, he was saying some stuff. I'm like, why is that necessary, God? You know what he said to them? On the night he was going to deliver them, he says, put all your shoes, your sandals. He says, roast a lamb. And if that lamb is too big for your household, share it with your neighbor. Don't leave any lamb over. Don't leave anything. We don't want any leftovers. I mean, he was so specific. He went as far as he told the leaders of the family, put your staff in your hand. Now, just think about that. What is this all about, Lord? I don't know. They didn't know. All they did was obey. Obedience is what saves us. Not, not whether we understand it all, all the time. Just obey. 
but we like to fight this and fight that, and, you know, we got all these things, and God is saying, okay, to be saved, we must first believe the Lord, obtain faith. We must then repent, turn away from our sins, and be baptized, immersion in water. We will receive the infilling of the Holy Ghost. We will speak with tongues. Even the text that we read that we started out reading in Acts chapter 16, verse 30. We read verse 30 and 31. We didn't read 32 and 33. Verse 32 says, and they spake. So after he tells them, after they ask, what must we do to be saved? He tells them, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. But then look what follows. 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. He and all his straightway. Wherever you hear you shall be saved. You need to find out how. Whenever you read your Bible, you shall be saved. Okay, I'm not saved. How? This is an insight. Now I'm finished. Let's stand. This is an insight in your prayer life. Sometimes we pray, we need to ask God, how? I don't understand. How? Because we, we might read it or we might hear it preached, but we still need to ask the Lord, how? Because a lot of times we walk away after what we heard, but we don't know how to execute it. We don't know how to implement it. We don't know how to apply it. We heard it. It made sense. But then it's time, you know, to really take the steps. It's really time to, 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 to build. It's time to do what needs to be done. And you're like, okay, what do I do now? And so a lot of times when you hear the word of God, when you read the word of God, it might make clear sense to you, but now you need specific instructions that you need to say to the Lord. Father, I've heard your word. Father, I got real clear understanding now about the salvation thing. I'm good with this, but I need step by step. How? For some of us, we've been living for God for a long time, but we haven't really understood how we got saved and why it was important. How did we go about it? Well, you know now. You know now how to explain that to somebody when they start asking, well, what about this and what about that? You know how to explain that to them now. But also you should know, watch this, that even after you repent and you're baptized and you're filled, there's still some more how. There's still some more how. How do I live righteous? How do I live holy? How do I not sin continuously? How do I stop drinking? How do I stop smoking? How do I stop cussing? How do I stop treating people wrong? It's still more house. So whenever you're living for God, there's never a time where you have plateaued because you know all that you need to know. You will never know all that you need to know. The Bible says we will see him as he is when we see him face to face. So not until we get to heaven will we really know a lot of the things that we don't know now. So our walk with God is consistently how? 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 If you're here today and you've never been baptized in Jesus Christ, we can baptize you today. I told them this morning that if you want to be baptized, we'll baptize you in a nice swimming pool today. You will want to go swimming afterwards, and you could if you want. But the bottom line is, you get baptized, you get all your sins washed away today. 
you start the plan of salvation for your life and you will just continue to live for God in the how, 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 how do I get it done, Lord, how? And you just constantly ask that question to the Lord. How do I become a mature Christian? How do I become a worshiper? How do I be a praiser? How do I read my Bible properly? Just keep on asking God how, how, how. And he will give you the answers to the hows. How, how. But if you just want to sit back and because you don't want to know, you want to sit back and not know, God is not going to accept that. There's a scripture that says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. So it gives us clear indication that if we want to just ignore knowledge or reject knowledge is what the scripture says. If we want to reject knowledge, that will not be something God accepts when we stand before him. Say, God, you know, he will not accept that. If you reject knowledge, that's squarely on your shoulders. If you think that what I'm saying is not correct when I've showed you scripture, You need to go to God and ask him, well, I don't agree with that, Lord. You have to show me something else. It's okay, too, to go to him about that. But the bottom line is, I just gave you the word of God, the Bible, not my word. Now you need to go and obey God and do what he says. None of us here today know when we're going to leave here, when we're going to go into eternity. As I mentioned, we don't know if we can go outside right now and get sideswiped. You don't control the next person that's driving. You don't know who will come and do harm to you. And later on, we find out it was a mistaken identity. We don't know any of that stuff. So to just keep thinking that we can exist and we're fine, we're crazy for thinking that because this world is crazy. We don't know. We don't know. So to walk out of here today and say, well, I'll be all right. When you know you're not baptized in Jesus name, that's not very wise. The other thing I want to point out to you about Cornelius. Cornelius, when we read about him, he prayed, he gave, he, 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 um, he reverenced God. He was a devout man. I revealed to the 9 a.m. service today, I said, you know what? I'll let you, some, I'll let you behind the curtains in some of my thoughts. Cornelius showed us that when you are sincere about God, When you get instructions in the word of God, you do it. When you're not sincere about God, when you get instruction in the word of God, you ignore it. And I know you want to believe that you are sincere. But if you're not doing what the word of God clearly shows you to do, you're not sincere. And maybe you need to go to God and ask him, why aren't you sincere? What's wrong with you why you're not sincere? Because a sincere person, when they hear the word of God, they take it and apply it to their life because they were sincere from the very beginning. But when you're not sincere, you hear it and you ignore it because that's not on your agenda. That's not what you really wanted to do. And remember, when we come into the house of Lord of the Lord, we don't come in thinking that we know what God wants from us. What we can offer is our praise. What we can offer is worship. But what God wants to do, we don't know. What God wants to do in our lives, we don't know. So when God tells you what to do, what are you going to do? And when you don't do it, it means you are not sincere because you came in wanting what you want and not what God wanted for you. If you want to give your life to the Lord today and you want to be baptized, come. Talk to me. Let me know. We'll get you baptized. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord God, I pray that the word of God will not escape any one of us today. That it will be in our heart, it will be in our mind, it will be in our soul. And that the word will permeate through our entire being, Lord God. That, Lord God, we will have to acknowledge it. Whether we reject it or we accept it, we don't have a choice but to acknowledge it, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that your word will accomplish that which you want it to accomplish. You said your word will not go out and return unto you void. Father, I want your word to accomplish, oh God, what it set out to accomplish in my life, in our life, in every person's life in this church, Lord God. We want the word of God to accomplish what you wanted it to accomplish. To get us on the right track, Lord God. To save our soul, Lord God. To help us understand what we ought to do, Lord God. Huh. My God, I pray today, Lord God, that salvation will be accepted today. And as salvation has come to our doorstep, has come to our heart today, Lord God. As salvation has come, Lord God, I pray that every person in this place, every person under the sound of my voice online will hear and respond in obedience, will hear and respond, Lord God, to the word of God and not resist it and not reject it, but become a doer of it, Lord God, that the word will be clear, that it's repentance that's required, that it's baptism in the name of Jesus Christ that is required. It's being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost that is required today. Oh, God, and living a holy and righteous life is what's required for us. I pray, Lord, that you will bless and keep us. We thank you today for all that you have done. You have been so good to us. You have been so kind to us. Your blessings have overtaken us, Lord God. Help us not to be selfish and self-centered, but help us to become Christ-centered, righteous, unselfish, loving, Lord God, and totally obedient, obedient to the Word of God. I pray that you'll bless and keep each and every one of us. Bless our families, our household, Lord God. Provision, Lord God. Your will be done, Almighty God, as we go today, Lord God. We go, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be your name. We love you, Jesus. You're holy and righteous. There is nothing like you. Come on, let's thank him today. Clap your hands. Thank the Lord, for he is good. His mercy everlasting and truth is door is truth enduring to all generations. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless your church. Have a great rest of your day. Maybe there's somebody that you know that needs to hear this truth today. Get them to connect to our website. Get them to go to our social media page someplace and tell them to play this message because this message will help a lot of people be saved. There's a lot of churches out there that don't know how to tell you how to be saved. But trust me, we have heard today how to be saved. God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day.